Hey, welcome to Westside Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Here at Westside, we're all about equipping believers to succeed in life and mature in Christ as they reach, win, and disciple others. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message. But before we get into it, if we can serve you in any way by helping you grow in your walk with God, we want to connect with you at wcspokane.com slash connect. Fill that out and someone from our team will reach out to you. Now let's get ready to study the word together. Okay, so I'm excited about today because I love, uh, I love this subject um, about talking about the times that we live in and being prepared for them and preparing even now, continuing to put good stuff in us so that we're not taken by surprise about the crazy that's going on in the world. And it's important that we do that because the Bible gives us a lot of instruction about the season that we're going to live in in the end of the end of times, which is this. We're there. Everybody say, we're there. We're there. Come on, we are there. There's, there's, we're not waiting for more prophecies to get fulfilled. We're not waiting for more stuff to play out. We're literally just looking for Jesus to show up and say, come on, let's go. Catching us out of here. Amen. So that means uh, this scripture applies to us. We were born and built for the end times, for the end days, for this season. We're built for it. So with all the crazy and the chaos that's going to happen, we're built for it. So just buckle up. We're okay. We're going to be just fine. We're his kids. Amen? Amen. And so um, just keeping our eyes open, paying attention to what's going on in the world. We called this series uh, Flight Training um, because it's, it's giving us a worldview that's uh, elevated, that's above. We're elevating our thinking. We're not getting bogged down in the mire and we're not getting da- bogged down in the news cycle. We're understanding that God created us for a time like this so that we can see what's going on through scripture, through the lens of the Bible, so that we're not freaked out, right? Now, some of you guys might know some Christians that are freaked out in this season, and it does happen. So we're supposed to be, Christians are supposed to be the voice of reason in this time. We can agree with them. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, but guess what? The Bible predicted this, that means we're close to seeing Jesus. That means you better get right today. These, these are opportunities for us to speak into people's lives and just point out a few things that are going on that most people are unaware of even happening in the world. Amen? I mean, if you, if you just look to mainstream media, you're going to miss a lot of what's happening in the world. But God's given us some pretty cool tools and ways to pay attention to what's happening. So we're just going to look at a few things uh, through the eyes of Scripture. Are you okay with that? So just a little bit of recap. Our text was 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. You can go over there. Just giving us a, uh, a picture of what it was going to look like in these days. And it's wild, but thank you, Lord. He's helping us. He said, know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. They'll be slanderers without self-control, brutal, brutal, and despisers of good. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power from such people turn away. <clears throat> that first verse expounded, uh, perilous times will come, says you, you emphatically and categorically need to know with unquestionable certainty that in the very end of days, when time has sailed to its last port and no more time remains for the journey, times of stress and peril will most certainly surround and encompass you, and there is no way to avoid it. So he's not scaring us. He's just telling us, listen, if you're in the last days, which we are, 
This is going to happen. This craziness is going to happen. Just buckle up. It's going to be okay. I've taken care of you. Amen? And so um, last week we talked a little bit about going against the flow and, um, and redeeming the time. And we saw about Noah, how Noah had to go against the flow in his age, his day, with just crazy going all around him. For over 100 years, he's building the ark, just following God. I mean, come on now. That's some fortitude. Amen? So he's going to ask you to do some things in these last days. It's going to seem like it takes forever, but I guarantee you it won't take you over 100 years. Right? Just keep going. Like He's going to help you survive and live through, not just survive, but thrive in the crazy, in the floodwaters of crazy. Thank you, Lord. We saw in Isaiah that uh, the Bible says that there's going to be a season where he says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. He's given us a heads up that this is happening. Have we not seen that where they call evil good now and good evil? I mean, they're just changing definitions almost daily. So we just know we're there. And Romans one twenty one says this, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. But they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Now, we're not out just calling people fools. That's not how to reach people for Jesus. But it is telling us, uh, don't be surprised and upset when people do stupid stuff. Remember the passage, we don't have time to go into it. Remember the passage where literally you break it down and the Greek word is uh, moroni, which is where we get our word moron. I mean, it's literally this word fools is calling people moronic. It's, it's so outside of normal, balanced thinking that it's like, what, what are people doing? But to not get upset by that, just understand, people in the dark are not going to understand truth right. until they meet Jesus, right. right? So that's our job, help them introduce them to Jesus, right? I don't mean like physically send them there, but I mean, this is Jesus. You need to say yes to him, amen? It's got to be clear for some of y'all. Yeah, you told me to introduce him to Jesus. Help me. Thank you, Lord. First Timothy 4, 1 in the Amplified says, but the Holy Spirit distinctly and expressly declares that in the latter times, some will turn away from the faith, giving heed to, uh, or giving attention to deluding and seducing spirits and doctrines that, t- that demons teach. The Bible says that people will depart from the faith, Christians that you know. There's a possibility of them departing from the faith. The Bible says that it'll be like this exodus of people disillusioned by the gospel, disillusioned by the truth. They don't understand some things. They've let their mind become darkened with the ways of the world, and they just slip off. This shouldn't surprise us. This should encourage us to pray for those that are slipping into deceit because we, we have an impact. We can pray, Lord, show them light. They're getting, they're getting off track. They're missing some stuff. Help us to pray the right way for them and help turn them back. Amen? Because that's something we can do as intercessors. Amen? But also to read this for ourselves, to guard very carefully what we put in our ears and what we put in our eyes. Because the enemy is in strong force right now, uh, trying to bring delusion and deception, if he can, even to the elect, even to the church, to get people off track and off guard and just say, I don't think Jesus is ever coming back. I'm just going to live like I want. The whole bunch of people are going to do that. And say, not me. Say, not me. Come on, not me. We got to see this and stay true to the course. Come on, there's great reward for staying true to what the Word of God says. The the enemy has fought tooth and nail to discredit this book. And you ask the world, they say, oh, that's 
That's fables and fairy tales. We've disproven it so many times. No, they have not. No one has disproven this Bible. It doesn't contradict itself. It is accurate. It is pure. It is right. It is holy. God is big enough, strong enough, and powerful enough to make sure we get a copy of this that we can trust in this age right now. To believe otherwise it undermines everything that we believe in, according to Scripture. Everything. We, we understand, and we've been through this in the past. I think it was six, eight months ago. We went through and, and looked at the authenticity of the Bible and how accurate it really is from a, from a diligent study of not just the Word, but the manuscripts that we have in this day that point to the fact that this was not mistranslated. It was not taken advantage of. We can see it from a couple thousand years ago. They, they were meticulous when they wrote down and copied it through the years. I mean, there's, there's errors in punctuation and grammar. That's, that's where we're seeing not changing doctrine. Amen? So we can trust the word of God. Thank you, Lord. So we're looking for people that are falling away and praying for them. And then the Bible says, it tells us in Jude 3 to contend for the faith. It means we're going to have to fight for it. Contending means there's a struggle, there's a battle. You're going to have to fight for the faith. And that is the fight of faith we're fighting right now. Amen? It's something that we're going to have to do in, uh, intentionally and on purpose. We're going to have to fight for what we believe. Thank you, Lord. And then tapping into the power of God through his word. It's so important. Thank you, Lord. So this morning, we're going to talk about <clears throat> not being dull. Don't be dull. Do you know what I mean? I don't mean like dull, like you're boring at a party. I mean like dull of hearing. Like you're just, you're just not sharp. You're not quick. You're not discerning. You're, you're letting stuff kind of get to you, uh, let stuff bother you, letting stuff make you calloused to the things of the world. And this is something that we have to guard against in our spirits by what we watch and what we see for sure, but then just staying sharp in the word of God, staying, staying quick to go to the word of God. And I'll show you an example uh, of being dull. Genesis chapter 18, flip over there for me. Genesis chapter 18. <clears throat> so we're talking a little bit about the, the subject, the overall subject is flight training. So um, one of the things about flight training that they teach you is that... Um, once you get your license, you're not, you're not done. There's continuing education when you're flying. They do this on purpose because flying an airplane's, you know, a skill that is perishable. You can forget things. And when you're flying, you don't want to forget things. It's kind of important, right? And so every two years, uh, you have to do what they call a biannual flight, uh, flight review, BFR, and you have to go with an instructor for an hour or two, and they fly, and they basically do the maneuvers and different things that you learned when you were getting your license to make sure you're still proficient. And if you're not proficient, you have to do another flight review and get proficient. They don't want you, you know, up in the air with a piece of equipment when you're not proficient. And so there's this continual education that happens uh, when you're flying. And they talk about certain things, like as a pilot... Um, when you're trying to go to a destination, you know, weather dictates a lot of things when you're in a small aircraft. Jets can blast through a lot of stuff. They can go around stuff. They're way, way fast. Small aircraft, you have to be very careful about weather. And so there's this phrase they use in flying that you have to be careful of called get there-itis. Get there-itis. And it's happened to many a pilot where they're trying to get there. They're trying to get home. They're trying to get to the place, the destination, and they override some checks and balances. They override their uh, decision-making, which would normally tell them, stop, don't go, go around, land, wait it out, because they're trying to get somewhere because of time or whatever, right? They're, they're, it's called get their itis. And so they train this into you so that you don't 
wipe away a bunch of knowledge telling you, you know what, this is not the best choice right now. This is, this is not the decision you should be making. You should go the opposite direction and get on the ground and land. And pilots have died. They have died by get their itis. And so they teach us this. And that's becoming dull to the things you're seeing from your instruments, from your weather, and from your intuition. And as Christians, we kind of get this idea of we'll get their itis, whether that's Jesus coming back or we'll just we'll just get through this and we become we've become dull to the things of the world where it doesn't bother us like it should. We don't change the channel quick enough or we let things get to us where it's just not <clears throat> it's not bothering us like it should. You know what I mean? And so we want to be to a place where as believers there are things that do bother us. There are things that prick us and make us change personally. Like things going on in our lives that we know we need to address that we're letting linger because they don't bother us like they should or like they used to. You guys okay with that? Yeah. It's important that we that we recognize things and and let them bother us again. You know, you you uh, shovel enough dirt, you rake enough yard, you get a callus. Right? And that it doesn't bother you like it did early spring a month ago, right? You, you're, you've been doing it for a month, and now you got this spot that doesn't, it doesn't hurt now anymore because you calloused it over. But in the spirit things, listening to the Holy Spirit, we don't want to be calloused to the Holy Spirit ever, right? He pricks us. He tells us to do something. We want to be quick to listen and quick to obey. And in this season, in this time, there's, we're bombarded by so much junk that it's easy to get calloused to what's going on in the world and just kind of allow things to creep in and around us and even into our homes or even around our kids. And many a good parent has been just surprised by some of the things their kids have come up with or said or addressed or it's like, where did you get that? Well, we, we've kind of let our guard down in some areas and not addressed some things with our families of, of the, the crazy that's going on in the world so that the kids know this is not okay. Okay, that was, that was quiet. Okay, Genesis 18. You guys there? Verse 17. This is right after <clears throat> the Lord told Abraham that he's going to give him a son. And while he's, while he's down here visiting with Abraham, he told him, hey, we're gonna, you're going to have a son. Uh, I understand that you're old, but you're going to have a boy. His wife laughed. He accused her of laughing. She said, I didn't laugh. She said, oh, yeah, you did. She's like, seven, she's like 70 years old, 65 years old. She's past the time of having kids. You're going to have a son. She laughed. This is right after that. Verse 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? He's about to go deal with Sodom and Gomorrah. There's, there's rampant sin. God has to do something. Old covenant time, he's got to do something about it. And he's going to tell his man, Abraham, the man of faith, he's going to tell him, I'm, I'm not going to hide this from him. I'm going to tell him. Now, skip down to verse 20. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against, uh, against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom, and Abraham stood before the Lord. So there's three guys. There's two angels in the Lord. And Abraham stood before the Lord. And, and Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous? And he worked his way down. Would you do it for 45 or 40 or 35? He works his way all the way down to 10, verse 32. And he said, Lord, 
Let, uh, he, then he said, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak once more. Suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. Abraham is negotiating on, the, on behalf of Lot uh, for the city of Sodom. Lot, Lot is living in Sodom. His nephew has, has made his residence in a, in a town, a city, that has been so wicked and evil and vile that God is having to come down and deal with it in judgment. I mean, this is like, you know, Vegas. Let's just call it Vegas, right? <laughs> and Abraham's like, come on now, will you, will you spare it for 50, 45, 40? Will you spare it for 10? God says, I won't destroy the whole city if there's 10 righteous in there. Now, you read the story, there weren't 10 righteous there. God ends up dealing with, in judgment, in Old Covenant time, the way he needs to, and destroys the city, takes the whole thing out. But because of Abraham, God spares Lot. Uh, <clears throat> now, jump over to verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 15. They have warned Lot. They are uh, they're letting him know, hey, this is, this is going on. We need to get you out of here. Now, this is interesting. Let me, let me read this. In verse 15, when the morning dawned and the angels turned to Lot, uh, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of, that, of the city. And while he lingered, the men, these the angels, took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. Now the question is, is why is Lot lingering? Like they told him, this whole place is going to get leveled. We're wiping it out. Why is he lingering in a city that's full of sin, full of wickedness? He knows it. Well, we get a little bit of an answer there over in 2 Peter. So turn over to 2 Peter with me. 2 Peter 2. Why in the world would you hang out? It's not like he's preaching the gospel. You know, there's no gospel to preach. He's not... He's not winning people to Jesus. There's nobody coming to church. It's just him, his wife, his kids. And he has more daughters. He has two young daughters at home that aren't married. And he has other daughters, because the Bible talks about him going to his son-in-laws. He has other daughters that are married into this city. And he goes to the son-in-laws and and his daughters and says, we got to get out of here. I'm told we got to get out of here. They thought he was joking. It literally says his son-in-laws thought he was joking. They didn't leave. So he got out of there with, with his wife, and his two young daughters. The rest of his family, man, they are in. So in 2 Peter 2, um, verse 6, says this, and turning, the, and, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example of those who afterward would live ungodly. And delivered righteous Lot, who, oppre- who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. So in this, in this verse here, um, Lot was oppressed. The Bible calls him righteous Lot. So he was, he was not involved in this, but he had surrounded himself with it. And because he was surrounded by it, he was oppressed by this filthy conduct. So in verse eight, it says, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. He had come to a point where he was so tormented and tortured on the inside because of everything that was going around him that, that it was like, it was, the Bible translates that word into tortured internally because of what he was seeing and what he was hearing on a regular basis. So the question has to be asked, if you're tortured internally because you love God and you want to do what's right, 
but you keep seeing and hearing these, stu- these things, why are you there? Why did he stay? Why, why wouldn't you pack it up, call the U-Haul, and let's get out of here? Why? He had become uh, dull to the effects of what it was doing to him. It had caused him to shrink back. It had caused him to not step out, to not be bold, to, to do nothing but just be tormented by what was going on. There's something about living in a wicked society. Like we live in the world, but we're not of the world, right? Amen. And there's something about living in a wicked society where we have to make the precautions in our own homes and our own lives to make adjustments and changes where we don't allow that junk to affect us. Where, where we can be right before God and still minister outside of that, not shrink back, not hide, not cower, not tuck ourselves away, but to be out there and say, this is the truth, this is the answer, this is the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's our job. But to not let what's happening dull us to what's happening, yeah. to not let it just be the norm, to not let it just not bother us anymore. There should be something on the inside that, man, that's just not right. We need to do something about it. That's right. Presenting Jesus is is definitely a way forward, but ab- absolutely, as Americans too, we have a civic duty to do something about this. We cannot be Christians who do not vote. We, we have to be Christians that vote biblical values. I used to say, if you're a Christian, vote your values, but Christian values are so skewed right now that I changed to say we have to vote biblical values. That's how we vote. It's not about what you think or who you want, who you think should be included or accepted. We have to, as a society, put truth on the forefront and promote and vote for truth, vote for righteousness, vote for what's right. That doesn't mean there's preachers and Christians on every ballot, but there are people on the ballot that promote more than another person on the ballot, the things of God, more moral standards. If we get away completely from moral standards, which is where our country is headed, it's a utter and total fall. If you're a student of history, the reason why these massive civilizations and quote-unquote democracies fell was because they allowed and, and also legislated immorality into society. It was allowed. I mean, it was just 60, 70 years ago that adultery was a crime in this country, like a punishable crime. Right. <laughs> You know, you get some legislators in there that are adulterers. They're going to change the laws. And guess what happened? They changed the laws. Is everybody okay? I mean, this is something we should be be fighting for. And the world says you can't have God in government. You know, you can't have... It's separation of church and state. Come on, get off my back. That was never the intent. They wanted government out of their church, not church out of their government. God's supposed to be involved in what we do. It's the only way it works. It's the only way we've survived this long is because there has been a moral standard that has survived somehow through the ages. And yet one by one, they're trying to check those off and get those out and clear those out of the books. Just trying to remove God completely. That's what the enemy does. So we have a job to do spiritually as Christians and also naturally, come on, we have a job to do to vote biblical values. That's just a little sidebar. But to recognize where Lot was coming from, he was so entrenched there that he wasn't leaving on his own. He had to be literally taken by the hand by these angels of God and, and pulled out of the city, right? Just like pulled out of the city. And he gets outside of the city and he says, okay, you guys got to start walking because we can't do anything until you get to where you're going. And there's a whole conversation there. But as they're going and they get to where they're at, 
uh, this city that he said, can I go here? Yes, you can go there. When he gets there, fire and brimstone start coming down to just wipe this place out. And when that starts to happen, his wife, Lot's wife, turns back to see what's going on, and she turns into a pillar of salt. I mean, there's, there's something about just turning your back on wickedness and just moving forward. Not people, come on now, but, but wickedness. Just as Christians, we've got to put that stuff in the rearview mirror and pursue God. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Turn over to Jude chapter 22. Jude chapter 22. It's a little bit farther past, not chapter, verse, sorry. Jude only has one book. I know this, you know this. Verse 22. Um, it's to the right of Second Peter. It says this, And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. That, in, that, in that two verses, the Greek expanded and expounded says this, You must have compassion, a compassionate attitude toward those who are spiritually calloused, that they no longer know the difference between right and wrong. The truth is that these unstable people are living right in the brink of disaster and are in real spiritual jeopardy. Their plight is so grave that it requires an immediate rescue plan to snatch them from the fires of destruction. He's telling us there's a season in this hour that we live in right now where, where people that are spiritual, that know God, are on the brink of not discerning good and evil. They're on the brink of dulling their senses and making poor decisions and following after doctrines of devils and demons and getting off track. Again, the falling away of those that are of the faith. He says if those people are in that state, uh, it requires immediate rescue plan to snatch them from the fires of destruction. That means uh, if you know somebody that's, that's starting to stray or waver or, or pull away, come on, go to that person and say, listen, the Bible says... This is going to happen. I, I fear for your safety. I fear for your safety because you're getting pulled in a direction that is not sound. It is not biblical. What you're believing is not of God. As Christians, we can, we can confront people like that in a loving way. And some will say, don't care. And others will say, thank you. But, but it's worth recognizing this going on. So, you know, I don't know about you. I don't want to lose anybody. Friends, family, people that we know that love Jesus, come on, we don't want anybody to fall away. The Bible says it'll happen on mass scale, but we can make a difference as believers, praying for them, contending for them, going to them. What you're believing is wrong. It's not biblical. It's not right. It'll cost you. It's dangerous. Amen? So he's given us some instruction there. So why do we talk about this in this, in this time? The Bible gives us instructions for this. The Bible's given us clear direction in this way so that we can be prepared for what's coming so that we can help snatch people away from the fires of destruction, that we can pull people out of darkness and into light, those that are being led astray by the enemy who know, have known Jesus and have fallen in his path, that somehow get disillusioned by what God wants to do or is doing, uh, whether their prayers have been answered or they have not seen the answers to their prayers. Come on, Christians. A lot of times they're like, what's going on? And they start to, maybe this stuff isn't real. Maybe this isn't happening. Come on, instead of going to the source... They say, well, I'm just not going to do it anymore. And God's calling us to help them, bring them back to the word, amen? And so with the last few minutes, I just want to point out a few things that are happening in the world, um, things that you may be aware of or may not be aware of, to know that I'm not just telling you we're in the last days, you can see it for yourself, amen? Amen. Um, I don't know if you recently saw this, and uh, we're still still trying to corroborate some of this information because it's difficult sometimes to get uh, 
true fact checks out of, out of articles. Um, however, I see no reason for them to fabricate an ar- article like this, but there was an article that came out that said the World Health Assembly, which is separate from the World Health Organization, um, is trying to give the World Health Organization power over uh, any autonomous nation in the fact that they can declare a state of emergency, a medical state of emergency, and suspend any country's constitution or uh, forming documents to handle this pandemic or emergency. They're trying to do that right now. And our current administration is letting them. So, you know, this is another sign of one world government. I mean, this is where we're heading. Like, this is what's going to happen very soon around or right after the church gets raptured out of here, caught out of here, that they're going to establish a one world government so that just a handful of people are running the whole thing. And so this is like set up to get people used to the idea of one organization kind of running the show. All right? Everybody okay? (laughs) Um, Russia, Iran, and China have trained militarily. They've trained together, done uh, military training operations. Now, that's three of the nations that are going to come down and fight against Israel once the church is out of here. I mean, these guys have never been friends, and now they are. I mean, Russia even waited to invade Ukraine until China was done with the Olympics. I mean... They're, they're, they're talking, they're, they're communicating, they're, they're doing things. This is, this is what's happening in our world right now, so pay attention. Um, Russia was saying they have missiles ready in their propaganda. They have one pointed at Paris, Berlin, and London, these hypersonic missiles. They just came out. I don't know why they're announcing this. Why would you do that except propaganda and fear? But they have nuclear missiles that can reach these cities in a matter of seconds, not minutes or hours, seconds. This is, this is happening right now in the news cycle. Not in our country, but you can see this in news cycles everywhere else. Um, secular media outlets in Europe said this, that Russia is actually pointed toward a conflict with Israel in Europe because of what they're doing in Ukraine, because they're how, how they're positioned in Syria and in alliance with Turkey and Iran, they are pointed toward a conflict with Israel. This is European news. They can see the writing on the wall. Guess what happens right after the church gets raptured out of here? Countries from the north come down against Israel. They get attacked from all sides, but they come down from the north against Israel. And God intervenes. That's the Ezekiel 38, 39 war, the battle of Gog and Magog. God utterly destroys the armies against Israel. And uh, it's a massive bloody mess. It really is. It's gross. They do all all kinds of a crazy battle, and God delivers Israel. And then the Bible says that in Ezekiel that God calls on the fowl of the air and the beasts of the field to come clean the mess up. And uh, one of the things that we know of in this area right now is that there's a 500 million bird uh, migration that goes right over Israel from Europe to uh, North Africa. And out of these 500 million birds that travel through twice a year, there are 172 predatory species of birds that are in that group that regularly hang out in the land of Israel. So the cleanup crew is on hand for this war. I mean, God just put them all right in place. 500 million birds is a lot. If you can, you can count that out. Um, the Temple Mount this week, the, uh, the Biden administration uh, said out loud about Israel, Israel does not have the right to the Temple Mount. They do not have the right to the Temple Mount. It's supposed to be an international city. So this is another reason why the previous administration moved uh, the embassy to Jerusalem because it legitimized Jerusalem as Israel's capital. It's why all the previous presidents, 
Both sides of the aisle did not do it. They didn't want to create contention. They thought we would create a war. It didn't create a war. It actually solidified our investment in Israel, our, our ally, to call Jerusalem their capital city. And it made everybody upset, including the devil, and I was happy about it. <laughs> it was one of the, be- it was one of the, one of the strongest moves he could have made. Is- uh, Jerusalem is Israel's. It will always be Israel's. That whole piece of land is in the Bible, border to border, it's Israel's. It will always be theirs. Amen? And so we, we always stand with Israel. I'm not saying they're perfect. They've done some not-headed stuff to you. So have we. But they're God's people. We stand with Israel. That's right. So <clears throat> there's another one. Um, there's, there's an altar of Palmyra. There's something called the altar of Palmyra. And I have a picture of that. Do you guys have that? Um, it's like, yeah. So uh, this arch is a pagan arch. It's in no way a godly example of goodness. This was built by Baal worshipers to walk through this and sacrifice and do all kinds of gross stuff. However, uh, God gave a prophecy to, uh, to a bishop, I can't remember how long ago, but said when the Arch of Palmyra, which is in the picture below, uh, is rebuilt for the third time, uh, Jesus is about to come back. So the, what's above is what ISIS blew up like four years ago, five years ago, when ISIS was going crazy before we took care of them. They blew it up just because that's what they did, they blow up stuff. And now Russia told Syria, we're going to help you rebuild that arch, and they're rebuilding it right now. So they're going to, they're going to put it back the way it was. When that gets rebuilt, we're right there. And I mean, it's, we're within weeks, months. I mean, it's close. They, we're doing, they're doing it. So that's just another, it's another thing telling us we're close. Um, a rabbi, Iksak Kaduri, prophesied in 2007, I believe, he said, right before the Lord's return, he was a messianic rabbi, right before the Lord's return, Israel will be ruled by two Benjamins. Now, last year they had a, a change, but prior to that, Benjamin Netanyahu and Benjamin Gantz were both in power. It had never happened before. There were two guys that were sharing the duties of running Israel, two Benjamins. So, I mean, there's super big clues. These are recent prophecies, but then we can go back farther than that. Um, let's just look at October. Can you put up the the pool that turned red. Now, um, the fall feasts, we've talked about this before. The fall feasts are what Jesus is going to fulfill when he comes back. Uh, it's Rosh Hashanah, which is in October this year, um, end of September, October, then the Day of Atonement, then the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus will fulfill those feasts when he comes back. Um, this pool is right next to the Dead Sea and just all on its own turned blood red on the Day of Atonement. A, a Jewish holy day. On that day, it turned blood red. And Israel still hasn't figured it out. They're guessing how it turned red. They still don't know why it turned out. They said, well, maybe somebody dumped a bunch of stuff in there. That's a big... (laughs) For nobody to see what happened, dumping that much red... God's showing us signs. Hey, I'm about about to come get you. I'm about to come get you. He's just showing us stuff. Um, In 14 and 15, uh, we saw blood moons come through. And what a blood moon is, if you guys are unfamiliar, is that the uh, uh, Earth eclipses the moon with the sun behind it, and it turns the moon an orangey, reddish color. NASA calls that a blood moon. It happens all the time. However, it's only happened eight times since Jesus was on the planet where they fell exactly on Jewish feast dates in the fall and the spring consecutively four in a row. They call it a tetrad. And this happened only eight times since Christ was on the planet. Three of them were in my parents' lifetime. One in 1949 and, 40, and 50, one in 1967 and 68, and then just recently in 14 and 15, this happened. Those, the, the blood moon showed up. It was, a, it was a blood moon eclipse. It showed up on feast dates. 
spring and fall, Passover and tabernacles. It's a big deal. It's a sign. And God does everything by sevens. We're at the end of that seventh year when that happened in 15, this year, 2022. Something, something big is going to happen this year. Pay attention to what's going on. Amen? Amen. So he's, he's trying to tell us in every possible way, I'm about to come get you. This is not uh, uh, fables. This is not futuristic someday in the sweet by and by. We'll see the Lord. No, he's coming to get us. And the Bible talks about um, Daniel's 70th week. There's a, there's a week of seven years that is left that God owes the Jewish people of old covenant time. What that means is, is that we're in the new covenant time right now. As the church, we have better promises, um, and, and, they're, and they're better for us as a better covenant. That's, what, that's where we're living, as the church. But in the last seven years, the church isn't here. And we don't have time to go into this, but we're not here. We're not mentioned as being here in Revelation. We're gone because God owes the Jews old covenant time, which means that we're going to see, we won't see, but the world will see uh, them start to sacrifice in the temple once again. And they do this for three and a half years until the Antichrist shuts it down and says, no, you're not, you're not sacrificing that God anymore. I'm God. You'll worship me. That's in the middle of seven years. But God owes them seven years of old covenant time. And we're right on the cusp of seeing that come to pass. But the church won't be here for that. We're out of here. It's a blessing of being in the church age. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So that's part of, part of what we're looking at. But I wanted to just show you a couple more things. You got another minute? Um, things that we can pay attention to. Again, the blood moons that showed up. Israel was made a nation in 1948. The Bible talks about uh, paying attention to Israel as the fig tree. When it puts forth its leaves and begins to grow and bud, know that that's, that's the marking season and time of when we'll know Jesus is coming back in that generation. 1948 uh, was the generation that sees that will see the Lord return. Uh, we saw the Six-Day War. Jerusalem won back in 1967. Again, another big thing because God marked it with blood moons. And I don't have time to go into all that, but God is very precise and exact when he does things in the sky and points to us. But he told us uh, between those three tetrads, 40, 49 and 50, uh, 67 and 68, and 14 and 50, he told us by that, just looking at the numbers, that 1948 was the date that we are to pay attention to, that Jesus is coming back in that generation. So we're paying attention to that. The, he also said there'll be a, uh, prophecy says there'll be a revival of the Roman Empire. And the Treaty of Rome in 1957 was that revival. Uh, the EU was birthed out of that, the European Union. Um, they actually built uh, headquarters um, they'll put this on the screen. They built a headquarters in, I think it's Strasbourg, France, uh, where they purposely emulated uh, the Tower of Babel. And you guys remember the Tower of Babel was not a uh, let's honor God thing. It was, no, we're gods, and we're going to build this to the sky. And God says, <laughs> no, you're not, and confused them by changing their language, right? So they, they purposely emulated the, tower, the unfinished Tower of Babel. This, this is what we're facing. There was an article I saw that, um, this was a few years ago, that Macron was trying to put a, together a, he's the president of France, Andrew Macron. Uh, Macron, I don't know his first name, is it Andrew? It's Macron, anyway. He, uh, he put together a coalition of countries to come together to help um, the world together come together and just pay attention to this kind of stuff. Um, one of the other things that tell us that we're close is that uh, Israel being gathered back together. Never before in our history have we seen so many Jewish people come back to Israel to live. They call it aliyah, people that are uh, wanting to leave the countries where they're at and come back to their Jewish roots and their Jewish heritage to live in Israel. We're seeing that like, on an unparalleled scale, uh, specifically now in Ukraine. The Israelis said there's about a quarter million Jewish people 
that we're ready and willing to accept to come from Ukraine into Israel to live here uh, if they want to, and we'll help them get here if they want to. So, I mean, it's happening all over the world. But one of the things that are tied to that is that the Hebrew language was restored, meaning Hebrew was a dead language. It became, nobody was speaking it. And yet, for the first time in history, like never before, God revived the Hebrew language, and now it's spoken as a primary language in Israel. It's, no language has ever been revived before. The Hebrew language was. So that was restored. Um, the, just, again, bringing people back. Uh, Aliyah, the fertility of the land of Israel is telling because of prophecy. Um, the Bible says it'll be a, a, a fruitful place again. And God has given them innovation on how to pull seawater out of the ocean and turn it into um, living water and water crops and irrigation. They taught the world how to do this. It's amazing. And, <clears throat> uh, and then back to the Temple Mount. There's a place called, or there's an organiz- organization called um, the Temple Mount Institute. And they are all ready to go as soon as they get the okay from, from anybody in power to start sacrificing temple sacrifices once again. Now, again, don't have time to go into that, but that's part of the beginning of us stepping into old covenant time again, that seven years of the Jews getting back the right and the opportunity to sacrifice to God again with the high priest and all that. They're ready to go. Like they could start tomorrow and they would start putting up the temple. It would not take them very long. So all, the, all these things being in place is, is pretty, pretty profound. It's, it's not just stuff we're making up. It's what does the Bible say? I told you about the war of Gog and Magog and those countries coming together like never, never before. Iran, Turkey, China, Russia. I mean, these, these guys are not friends with each other. However, they have a common goal, and it's Israel. They want Israel. It's amazing. And they're coming together like we've never seen before. And then um, what's the last one I wanted to read you? <clears throat> they had, a, they had a, a red heifer. They've been trying to get a red heifer uh, to be born in Israel for decades, decades and decades, because part of the process of sacrificing is they have to have a pure red heifer born in country. And God just kept it away from them for a while. And then finally, in 18, they had the first red heifer without spot, without blemish, born in Israel. And now they have been breeding these, the, the religious Jews have been breeding these to try to get several so you have one to pick from when they make these sacrifices for the sins of the nation. And so all these things, all these pieces are coming together in the last of the last days for us to pay attention as believers, as Christians, that Jesus is about to come back. He's, he's strategically and intricately weaving this together so that we can see what's happening and not be caught unaware of what God wants to do in the planet. Right. And he's coming back. Amen. So that means we got a job to do in a short window of time to do it. And our job, our goal as believers is to recognize the season and pursue God with all of our heart, try to you know, pray for people and lead people to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I say that a lot, but man, is it so important. Yeah. There's just so many lost people in the world. Amen. And they, there's, there's us with the Bible promises that in the last days, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all flesh and that we'll see signs and wonders and miracles and that the church of God will see a great outpouring of what he wants to do and seeing a great harvest of souls come into the kingdom. And so we got to do our part to do that. And that means sharing our faith and talking to people and asking them how they're doing and ask people if you can pray for them. I mean, you would be surprised how many people would let you pray for them if you just offered. But you know, it's it's getting out of your shell. It's getting out of your comfort zone, being willing to be led by the Holy Spirit to help people because God wants people. He loves people. Amen. So that's what we're called to do. That's where we're kind of wrapping up this paying attention and flight training series of just don't get caught up in fear. 
Don't let, don't let the enemy get to you. Don't let the world get to you. Pay attention to what's going on. Don't let that stuff dull you. Don't let it cause you to not care. Don't let it cause you to just sit back and wait. Make, let that stuff urge you to be sharp and quick and quick to listen to the voice of the Lord and do what he's called you to do. So it spurs us on to fulfill the call. Amen. Everybody okay with that? Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to chat with you and help you in your walk with God. We invite you to connect with us at wcspokane.com slash connect and someone from our team will be in touch with you. You can also hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new content in the future. Thanks again for joining us and remember, Jesus is coming soon.